This episode of BAM Sports and Entertainment is dedicated to the memory of beautiful Bobby Eaton. Welcome to the latest episode of BAM Sports Entertainment. That's Boris and Matt Sports Entertainment. We're your hosts, Boris, and I'm joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. It's a beautiful August night in the city, Boris. That's a perfect song for right now. Feel like uh feel like I'm in a convertible cruising, even I though know. I am not anywhere near a convertible. You are far from one, to say the least. <laughs> Extremely. How are you doing today, big I'm homie? Doing, I'm doing really good, man. I'm doing really good. It's been a crazy week. Apologies on getting the episode out a little later, but like we talked about on NXT Talk, real life happens sometimes, and uh, yeah, we just needed to uh, record a little later. So you know, but you know, the hope is that Thursday mornings, this ep- these episodes are going to be coming out more often than not. They will, but uh, sometimes things happen. So that's that. But yeah, no, overall things are going really well. Um, yeah, have, uh, some pretty good plans for the weekend, uh, seeing the lady friend, and, and then, yeah, we're going, I, I, we're doing something Saturday, I don't know what, though, so that's that. Nice, nice. Yeah. Mystery plans? Yeah. The mystery box, always good? Yeah, pretty much. Um, how about you? What's going on? Uh, not, not too much, man, yeah, last night I was up very late working on my latest Operation Sports video, so that's good, I also, uh, gonna be, I got a kind of long distance lady friend thing going on right now with an old friend from Portland, and, uh, I don't know, we kind of, you know, rekindled things a little bit, uh, during the pandemic, so, I don't know, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, it's, it's like you say lady friend, it's not like a full relationship, we're kind of like single with an understanding, anyway, Boris, I'll probably Skype her tonight, and, uh, we'll see where it goes from there, yep. figure out something to do this week. You know how it is. I know Slugging exactly away. how it is. I know exactly <laughs> how it is. Um, yeah, things are going really well. There's a lot going on in the world of sports. Um, oh. Yeah, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Uh, so, you know, I guess we should just get started because I feel like there's a lot to talk about. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about the big headlines in sports over the past week. Uh, we are going to be reviewing ROH and then our retro review from a listener which was the Royal Rumble 1993. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, any listener requests, we will entertain. And I, I want to eventually get to literally anything that anyone asks us to review, any show, any single match, anything tangentially related to pro wrestling. If there's an episode of a TV show, I'll watch The Boy Meets World with Vader and Mankind and Jake the Snake Roberts. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what's what you know? What's really cool is that even on the on the uh, face the SNME Radio Facebook group, sometimes ideas pop up. Like earlier today, um, you know, worst tropes in wrestling today. Yeah, exactly. That would be an awesome top five or top ten. I I am the king of the lists over yep. at Operation Sports. That's what I do there. So I'd love to whip up a list uh, for this year podcast, Boris. We can definitely do that in a week or two. Yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun um, just to uh, 
kind of get some new stuff going in. And obviously, we're going to be talking about ROH. We'll talk about NWA because I think I'm going to start watching NWA as we lead into the big um, all women's pay per view and the and the huge anniversary show. Uh, nice. So yeah, I think we'll, we'll be. Uh, We'll be talking about those a little more. And then, you know, anything big coming up because next weekend we have Triple A, Triple Mania. So, you know, we're going to try to watch that, do a review for that. Um, but uh, yeah, this week we wanted to change things up a little bit, get a listener review in. And so that's why we're doing Royal Rumble. Uh, but um, yeah, so World of Sports. What a week it's been in the world of sports. Let's start with some local news. Uh, let's talk some Blue Jays. So, well, I guess with, be, before we go specifically into the Blue Jays, let's talk about the trade deadline. Um, I was, I met up randomly with Jason Agnew on the subway post Jays game last Friday, and uh, we were talking about kind of like you know the trade deadline, and he brought up a great point that you know it didn't actually click until he said it, and that's the fact that was it just me or is this year? been huge in terms of big name moves no it has been more so than usual this was like kind of a kind of similar to the old nhl trade deadlines like you saw a lot of big movement and you saw a lot of people looking to buy you know what i mean the nhl trade deadline used to be the main event it used to be the best trade deadline for almost 15 20 years and it's slowly slowly deteriorated since the uh salary cap has come in and now honestly basketball and baseball and arguably football boris have all surpassed it in terms of trade deadline excitement what's interesting is Football, NFL, because for the longest time, for the longest time, you know, it would be very rare for a player to move teams. You know, they might move teams once, but now it's like every other sport, right? Like they go through their contract and chances are they're going to leave or they get traded mid-contract. It's crazy seeing the movement in the NFL. It's something that personally I'm not used to because, you know, growing up watching the NFL, it was just something that never really happened too much. Absolutely. Trading, especially like, yeah, you do see player movement here and there, like, or you did rather in the old, like in the olden days, you know, Joe Montana did play for the Kansas City Chiefs exactly. near exactly. the end of his career. Yes. You saw it rarely, but th- these guys didn't get traded like they do now. You know what I mean? Like big names getting traded from team to team. Julio Jones, for example, like big, big names. Yeah, like it's legit. Like it's crazy. To me, it's absolutely crazy. It's insane. But, uh, you know, it's it's the nature of of CBAs. It's the nature of, of, of free agent market and whatnot. So, you know, good for absolutely. the players. They're getting paid. These guys have a limited amount of time to get paid. So, you know, might as well get paid and uh, have fun doing it while they're at it. But, yeah. Get MLB. that bag, man. Yeah. yeah, get that bag. Get that bag as soon as as soon as you possibly can. But to your original point, man, the MLB trade deadline, super exciting this year. Big, yep. big names. And the Jays got a couple of them. Yeah, exactly. So 10 All-Stars from the 2021 uh, All-Star game were traded, including Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, both going to my a team near and dear to my heart, the LA Dodgers. Um, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. 10 all-stars removed that's huge yeah and the jays got a couple pitchers they needed at least one starter and one quality reliever they got both i like brad hand a lot lefty out of the bullpen he's closed for a lot of his career it's really really dependable guy seems to be like the exact piece that the blue jays needed right now and jose barrios could be an ace man so yeah it's two great additions for the toronto blue jays at this deadline 
Yeah, no, it's it's, it's really good moves. The pitching is exactly what we needed. So even someone like a Trevor Hand, right? You know that they're going to work out really well, hopefully, with us. Um, and we'll see kind of what happens. What's awesome with Barrios is that we control him for two years. Um, Hand is literally just a rent a player, but that's all right. Um, and it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with Biggio and, you know, and uh, Simeon's contract and all that in the offseason. But I think we're in a good yeah. position to make a hell of a run in this here second half of the MLB season. Yeah, I think we'll keep one of those two guys. I hope it's Simeon over Biggio. God Same. bless Biggio. But Simeon's having like bottom tier MVP quality season, like six or seven on your MVP ballot kind of season. Yeah. Still incredible. Still absolutely amazing. Yeah. Questionable defense, but that I think you yeah. know the entire left side of the Blue Jays, unless Espinola's playing, the entire left side is very questionable. Great call. I love Santiago, man. He's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see what's going on with the with the Jays in the offseason. Like I like like you said, I'm I'm pretty sure they will make an attempt for Simeon. But uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Biggio. Um, and you know what, what I've always said about Biggio is you know let's see what Bo and Vladdy say about Biggio. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Like Biggio is never ever gonna be that important to the team because he has so many young guns who are so talented ahead of him. And it's not that Biggio isn't a talented player. He's a, he's a lifelong major leaguer, but you know what I mean? It's, it's going to be tough for him to really make his way in Toronto with those studs in front of him. Yep, exactly. Um, but yeah, like, you know, so far the Jays have been doing really well. They've only lost uh, once since coming back home, which is exactly what we needed. Uh, they have quite a few home games. They have an easy second half schedule. So, you know, things could be positive for them. Yeah, big long homestand right now. Absolutely, man. Yeah, this is the time to strike, make up some ground. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that is essentially uh, baseball talk, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Bam, Jays talk, Jays talk. No, if uh, anybody in my fantasy team is listening to this, let me trade you Whit Merrifield because I don't have the room to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Absolutely love I, it. I doubt they are. I yep. doubt they are. Go um, on. <laughs> yes. So um, let's talk some NBA. NBA free agent market is opening or has opened. Lakers making some interesting moves. Um, I'm not quite sure what they're doing, but bringing in. Uh, what's his face? Russ, man, yeah. they're trying to make Space Jam 3.0. They're they're making the sequel to the sequel. No, I I, I get it, Russ. You know what it is? It's a regular season move. It's the ultimate all time regular season move. Russell Westbrook will keep the ship afloat. He will get the stats. He will carry the ball up the court. He will rebound and do the dirty work, some of the dirty work that Anthony Davis doesn't want to do. And yeah, he's going to keep that team afloat through the regular season. And then once the playoffs come lebron will be like thank you for your work russell now i will take the ball and please uh don't shoot us out of this series but yeah. you know what i mean like uh, at the end of the day lebron wants people who care and russell westbrook is an Allen iverson type who would die for basketball he would yeah. die on that court if it came to it like he is a as a warrior top level competitor and uh yeah i think i think uh at this stage in his career i think the good outweighs the bad other than his 44 million dollar contract or whatever yeah but it's the it's the lakers it really doesn't matter exactly. to them um but you know it is what it is um and then you know our our, our lovable raptors are making moves Ugh. first off 
Masai Ujiri is staying put. That's huge. Let's yeah. Let's talk about the good first. Yes, Masai is staying. He stay, Boris. He stay. I had uh, so I had a feeling he was going to stay. Um, yes, you know, just because of his heavy involvement uh, with uh, free the, the free agent market and the draft. And I know that Masai is the type of person who would have stayed and done the job regardless. But I feel like that was a positive sign that he was still front and center. Uh, the Scotty Barnes pick, especially because that was quote unquote off the board a little bit and it felt like Masai was like no this is my guy this is our guy we're taking him and that kind of flag in the sand moment was like well you know maybe he is okay putting his roots down here you know like yeah I'm uh I'm super enthused about Masai staying man he has my trust uh, and like yeah, he's proven time and again to be a great uh drafter a uh, great uh free agent signer you know what i mean he has an incredible eye for talent and he's he's incredibly important to the nba it's actually like great for the organization for the city that he's still here the pr work that he's done with you know his 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 charity and the work that he's done with africa um and even the black lives matter movement and stuff like that right like it's it's unbelievable the good pr that he brings to not only the raptors but the nba as a whole Oh, man, 100% right. And that brings me to Kyle Lowry. And that one hurts big time, buddy, because Kyle Lowry is is a real one. That man is a gem off the court and on the court. But like I in my previous life, I was an event coordinator, Boris. And I actually have worked uh, the event, the, the Kyle Lowry Thanksgiving thing where he feeds like 500 families. Yes. And I'm, I'm not lying when I tell you, man, like that guy walked around the community center talking to every little kid, shaking hands, taking pictures, feeding like people, not feeding people themselves, but like doling out the meals himself. Like that guy was like, he was the star of the show there, but it wasn't like about him. He was just working the hardest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even at that, at that charity event. And I like seeing him walk around, just being pleasant, being such a hardworking guy. I was just like, man, like we are so lucky to have a Kyle Lowry in our city. And then they won the title. The parade was something that I'll never forget. If anyone from Toronto was at that parade, you'll never forget it as long as you live. And yeah, man, it, it sucks for Toronto, but you know what? Such is life. Nothing lasts forever. Sports is a business and uh, it is what it is, man. I hope he wins the title in Miami. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, the 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 I, I I wish nothing but the best for him. Um, you know, I'm just counting the days for them to announce that the the statue is going to be outside of the ACC or Scotia Bank Arena or whatever it's called now. Um, yep. You know, it, it's he's going to be honored. You know, he is. It's just just a matter of to- of when. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm actually I'm sad that uh, he and Demar couldn't reunite. Uh, I'm actually glad Lowry didn't go to the Bulls because Miami does have a way better team and they kind of have a shot. I wish DeMar could have found his way to Miami instead of Chicago. God bless any Chicago fans listening. I don't think your Bulls are winning the title in the next three to five years. Uh, yeah. Perhaps I'm wrong on that one, Boris. But I don't think you are, to be honest. I honestly do not <laughs> think you are. Yeah, man. Anyway, yeah, so Lowry, big loss for the city. But you know what? We got uh, Precious Achua out of it. We got Goron. I'm not sure if he's going to report to Toronto. Uh, yeah. It's iffy on if he's ever going to play in this city. He could uh, Alonzo mourning us real I hard. I think he will. Yeah. 
But that's okay. You know what? That's fine. Let him go chase a ring. We're building something here. And exactly. I love Scotty Barnes, man. If you look into you look into Scotty Barnes, he is embracing Toronto. He loves this city. He wants to be here. He's the hardest working guy in the gym. He's got like the passing gene. We might play him at point guard. He's a great addition. Hey, you know, he reminds me of Alari, like the guy who just genuinely wants to be yeah. here. And that's who you want to build your team around. Someone who genuinely wants to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. And they say his like pro comp or whatever, they compare him to Draymond Green. And if he ends up being our Draymond Green and we have OG and whatever happens with Pascal and Fred, man, the team's the team's in a in a decent place. Yep. It's in a and decent place. Just a little while ago it was reported that Ken Birch is signed a three year, twenty million dollar contract with the Raptors. Quebec boy, Montreal zone. Love me some Ken Birch. Yep. So that that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, you know, Raptors are already making moves. Like they they're trying to get something in place, um, which is great. You know, and 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 yes, it's a soft rebuild. Um, it's not a full on rebuild in my opinion. It's a soft rebuild, similar to what the Jays did. Um, yep. You know, and and we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. It's kind of a soft rebuild on the fly. It's a it's a quick retool. They're gonna like lay in the shadows for a year or two and uh, watch out for the Raptors in 2024. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, yeah, so 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 yeah, tons of stuff with the Raptors. We'll be talking about them, I'm sure, a lot more. Let's talk some soccer uh, because yeah, this is Friday. Hold on, Friday morning. It is a huge game. Uh, Canada is finally in the gold medal game. Uh, they'll be facing an undefeated Swedish team, uh, and we're talking about female women's soccer. So that's kind of exciting for a lot of people who have been following the women's game since I would say 2012, since the uh, since that shit show of a game against the U.S. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of people have been following the U.S. or the Canadian women's national team. So that's going to be a good game. It's on at 8 a.m. Eastern. Uh, so you know, hopefully, if you're listening to this before, you can watch it. Awesome. What what tomorrow morning? 8 a.m. Friday Eastern? morning, 8 a.m. CBC. Beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And they they dethroned the American women's team, which was really nice. Huge win. Although the American women's team has has gotten pretty uh, old. It was it, old for soccer, obviously. But yeah, they they were they were an aged team. They were due. They were ripe for the picking. But Canadians, they picked them off, Boris. Yep, they did. Um, so that that was actually really cool in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I think the biggest news coming out of today, uh, at the time of recording, is you know after it being reported that Lionel Messi was going to stay with Barcelona for a lot less money, it was reported today that he is in fact leaving Barcelona after financial and structural obstacles derailed the deal. Yeah, it was going to be one of the richest in the history of soccer, perhaps the richest, right? And then here we are. It could, they couldn't get it yep. done. And now he's off to – where is he off to? Miami? Uh, yep. Miami FC to play no, for Beckham? God, no. Uh, so here's the thing. <laughs> um, he agreed to and, – and like at least verbally agreed to stay. They were going to restructure his contract. It was going to take a huge pay cut. But La Liga imposed a salary limit for the 20. 20- 2020-2021 season and Barcelona was told that they'd have to reduce its gargantuan wage um you know uh, and 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 further reductions are expected for the upcoming campaign uh so you know there's uh there, it's going to be interesting to see what happens I know as a fact that Barcelona is already a hurting club um financially uh so I think that uh, this is really a sign of look we can't 
go into administration. So we need to do something. Administration is basically like we're broke. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Well, it's but, a, it's a shocker. Yeah. So does where where does he end up? Um. Honestly, I. Th- who knows? I I really don't know. It's it's one of those things that I think a lot of clubs have their roster set. Like clubs will obviously make room for Lionel Messi. Um. But uh, no one would have thought after 18 years of being with Barcelona, he would have left. Um. You know, especially when you consider that his previous contract was valued at 500 million euros. Um. Yes. So. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous how much that man was paid. But you know, I think just because of the suddenness of the of the of the talks falling apart, um, clubs are just you know going to try to make do. Um, now, I can honestly yeah. see him moving to England. Nice. Yeah, I was gonna say for sure. Like, yeah, that would be somewhere in England would be my guess. But yeah, it's a tough chip to just slide into your team, like you said. Like, he's not gonna come cheap at all. So. Yeah. Be very very interesting. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, it's 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 fuck. Who would have who would have ever thought, right? That uh, definitely not me. Maybe if you play FIFA a lot, but not I, boy. Nah, even I. then, even then, there's no way. Um, so Canada and the Olympics, they won the decathlon. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. And man, how about uh, Andre de Grasse? Yes, yes. Winning the 200, um, going into the finals for the 4x100. So, yeah, um, I watched the, the the qualifier for the 4x100. Dude, he just, like, we were, like, second to last, third to last, and he when he, he was the relay, like, the final guy, and uh, holy crap, did he just make up room. And we ended up tying China for first place in the heat. Oh, he flies, man. It's so impressive to watch. His uh his gold medal time was faster than Usain Bolt's in twenty sixteen. Like he's not he's not playing around. Yeah. The grass is incredible. Yeah, it's insane. It's he's so freaking good. He's so good. Um it's fun to watch to watch him. Um and yeah, so so we'll 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 uh we'll talk about the uh, we'll do a Olympics wrap up next week. Um since it is ending this weekend, so we will uh do that. Anything else you want to talk about before we move into the world of wrestling? No, I think that's a pretty good sports talk. There's exciting things on the horizon. We'll touch on that. I, I can't wait to see uh, what NHL, uh, what, like what the hockey season is going to look like with Seattle and stuff. There's a lot of good, uh, lot, lots of movement in the NHL as well. But yeah, exciting times for sports. We'll see. Yep. All right. Let's move into the wide world of Rasslin. So we're going to start talking about Ring of Honor and this past weekend on Ring of Honor TV. It was actually quite different and quite fun because it was the beginning of the ROH Women's Championship Tournament. So the TV featured three female on female matches. Nice. Yeah, I actually checked out Ring of Honor this week, too. It was a pretty quick and easy watch. There wasn't a great match. But you know some some pretty nice personalities and definitely a lot of uh, a lot of baby face fire on the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's interesting to see kind of like you know the the shimmer talent and talent from other uh, companies coming to take part in this tournament. Um, so I think the big thing of note here is that the Quinn McKay is officially in the tournament after the allures uh, cheating. Uh, Maria Canales basically said um, they she put it to a fan vote, and the people spoke. Quinn McKay is officially in the tournament, so we have three matches 
first match was Miranda Lees versus Alex Garcia. Um, these two, uh, you know, what was great about ROH and the three matches was that before each match, they did a video package kind of introducing you to both both women in the match and they were really well done like we're talking nxt quality which is saying quite a lot right like for for me nxt for the most part like their video package their hype packages are the 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 the, the quintessential wrestling video packages the, the cream of the crop boris the yes. cream of the crop yeah uh, so that so the so so yeah, um, this match again pretty pretty simple pretty straightforward. These two have known each other for a long time. Um, you know, uh, Miranda Lee's actually won her first round match, so Alex Garcia is done. I really like the look of both women. Um, you know, this match was a little a little you know a little slow at times. I think. The women were a little put off with the fact that there was no crowd. Um, I, I don't think that they're used to that, especially for, you know, a yeah. TV product. So I feel like all three matches kind of suffered because of that. Um, so, yeah, the winner here was Miranda Lees. And I would give this match to two and a half handshakes out of five. I think that's about fair. Yeah, pretty much a Mendoza line match. Like, nothing terribly wrong with it. But, you know, it didn't, didn't blow my socks off. I agree with that, buddy. I did think Chelsea Green did a pretty good job on commentary. Yes. She's all right. She's hanging in there. Uh, you know, and she's definitely going to be, like, the focal point of this division going forward, despite the fact that she's not actually in the tournament at this moment. So Yep. Uh, the next match featured Maserati uh, versus Nicole Savoy. Nicole Savoy probably best known for her faction with Shayna Baszler and Mercedes Martinez. Uh, so um, yeah, so so this match was actually pretty. F this I like this match a lot. Um, you know, essentially, uh, Nicole Savoy said, "Hey, if I put you in my um, my half Nelson suplex, I'm gonna win." And guess what, Matt? That's exactly how this match ended at 8 minutes and 45 seconds. Nicole Savoy wins. Maserati gets hit with the bada bing, bada boom, Boris, and that's about it. Yeah, Savoy looked uh, Savoy looked awesome. Uh, this isn't a, an original thought because they said it on commentary, but she's like the female Jonathan Gresham, just a suplex machine. Yeah, yeah. Suplex machine and, uh, you know, uh, submission after submission. So that was a lot of fun and very well done. I would give this match a three handshakes out of five. Yeah, Just because I, I feel like that. the women were telling a great story in the ring. Nothing wrong with that, buddy. I, 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 can, I can see that for sure, man. Yep. yep. Agreed. All right. And then the main event was Sumi Sakai versus Roxy. Sumi Sakai actually won the Women of Honor tournament in 2019 to become the women's champion. Uh, so, you know, and Roxy is a 19-year-old, quote-unquote, prodigy. Uh, so, you know, I, I really like the dynamics, dynamics of this match because you had the, the wily veteran versus the cocky um, rookie. Yeah, and this was pretty. Yeah, they they made a point to say like she. They actually said the words. She is the Connor McDavid of uh, of professional wrestling of this women's division, which is uh, you know nice shout to the uh, Canadian viewer. And uh, yeah, I thought this was a very good, very worthy main event. Once I understood the story, and I had no idea who Roxy was coming in. But yeah. like it's like you said, the the uh, basically the defending tournament champ, like a, a, a main eventer in this division. 
versus the new the new upstart. So yeah, very exciting little match. I thought this was pretty good. Yeah, and we got our first major upset of the Women's Championship Tournament because Roxy was able to get the three count via small package for the win. Um, so your winner at 9 minutes and 36 seconds was Roxy. Um, because of the story, because of the dynamics, I'm going to actually give this match a three handshakes out of five. Nice. I can see it again, man. Yeah, absolutely. It was a solid match. And they're they're going with something here. It's... uh. You know what I mean? They're building up younger talent. They're building up this women's division, and I respect the attempt. At least they got to let these uh, they they got to let these athletes try to shine as much as they can. Man, they got to put them out there, sink or swim. Yep, exactly. Um, so next week we're gonna have Bandito and Horace versus Violence United, Marty Bell versus Trisha Adora, and Mandy Leon versus Quinn McKay. Very exciting! I I can't wait for that Quinn McKay match. Also. I believe there was another uh, first round match recently, right? In the ROH women's division, the uh, the women's division Wednesday. Yeah, they they do that. I haven't watched that just yet. Word. Okay, dope. Yeah, but that is just let me. Yeah, that's Allison K versus Willow, right? And I've been hearing good things about that match, so I'll definitely check that out too. We can talk about it next week. Yep. There you go. All right. So, as promised, we got a. Uh, listener request for Royal Rumble 1993. The listener was Nick Opolowski. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, but thank you, Nick, for sending in this request uh, via Facebook. Um, yeah, so he wanted us to watch and review WWE Royal Rumble 1993. So 1993 was actually a super interesting year for WWE. Um, there were a lot of changes. Um, for those of you who don't know, the 1992 steroid trial really changed things up for Vince McMahon and the WWE. Uh, he decided to get rid of a lot of talent. They wanted to bring in youth. This is when the first youth movement really came um, and, and kind of was on the forefront. So this was kind of like one of the first pay-per-views that featured a lot of people from this youth movement. Bret Hart was your WWF champion at the time. You had new wrestlers like Razor Ramon um, and things like that. So it was a very, very interesting time um, for the Federation. Also, 1993 Royal Rumble was the first Royal Rumble where the winner of the Royal Rumble got themselves a, um, a WWF title opportunity at WrestleMania. Yeah, the first time that was actually written into the rule, the winner of the Royal Rumble goes to the main event of WrestleMania to face the WWF at the time heavyweight champion. Pretty interesting, pretty exciting, and uh, it was a wide open field going into this. Now, to be fair, I was six years old, but this is like the first wrestling event that I kind of have like memories of like both like going in, being excited to see watching, having my soul crushed and, and shattered while watching it, Boris. But I definitely remember like having no idea who would win this Royal Rumble match going into it. Yep. Um, so this event took place January 24th, 1993 from the Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. Um, the announcers were Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. They were bickering about the show as the show started. Heenan just wanted to talk about the narcissist Lex Luger. Gorilla Monsoon said nobody cares. And this leads us into the first match of the night, which was the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott versus the Beverly brothers, Bo and Blake. I love the dynamics of this match. You have Rick and Scott, the face, real 
tag team brothers and the Beverly brothers, the heels foe brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the classic tag team, the Beverly Brothers, had been together for a long time, but not actually brothers. And they're all like kind of like a flashier tag team. Definitely have a pretty boy gimmick versus the rough and tumble Steiner Brothers in their first official WWF match as well. Exactly. So yeah, this is a very, very interesting. It's a little sloppy. They beat the shit out of each other, though, specifically Rick Steiner clotheslining the absolute hell out of the Beverly Brothers. Uh, if you... The live version of this pay-per-view actually had a very rare uh, audio guffaw for WWE. They actually missed like two or three minutes of commentary in there. A, you, you don't really see those audio issues from WWE too much. But uh, yeah, this match was, this was pretty good stuff. Yeah, you know, it, it was a good, it was, you know, the Royal Rumble typically has less matches because of the Royal Rumble itself, so this was kind of, you know, for me, it made sense that this match would take place, Um, so the end of the match, Rick took care of Bo outside the ring, Scott sent Blake into the ropes, they hit a Frankensteiner with Blake landing right on top of his head, and Scott got the pin at 10 minutes and 34 seconds, so your winners by pinfall, Rick and Scott, the, Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers. Yes, sir. Yeah, awesome bump taken by, I believe it was Bo Beverly. Definitely yep. sick Frankensteiner thrown by Scott. And yeah, uh, we went uh, three stars, 60% elimination percentage. Three eliminations on this one, Boris, out of five. Uh, very good match. Pretty, pretty solid. It could have been better, but it was a pretty solid debut for the Steiner Brothers. Yep, exactly. So after this, they should have video package about Shawn Michaels and his former tag team partner, Marty Jannetty, going into their match. They were once the Rockers with a lot of success as a team, but then Michaels turned on Jannetty one year earlier, which was January 1992. Michaels had a lot of success as a singles heel with Sensational Sherry as his manager. They went further into the story, showing Marty attacking Shawn. Marty grabbed the mirror held by Sensational Sherry. Then Michaels pulled Sherry in front of him, and Marty hit Sherry in the head with the mirror. Um, so this led us into the second yes. match. Before we get into it, I think we need to flesh out a couple things. Two all-time classic angles from this feud before this match ever got in the ring. We alluded to the first one. Everyone's seen it. The barbershop window, Boris. Shawn Michaels throwing Marty Jannetty through the window of Brutus the Barber Beefcake's barber shop. But people don't really talk about the second angle, which you outlined there, where uh, Shawn Michaels is in the ring. He's doing his dance. Sensational Sherry is holding up the mirror. And then you see from the camera's perspective, you see Shawn Michaels dancing. And then who should appear behind Shawn Michaels but Marty Jannetty for the first time in almost a year. And he's fired up and they get into an awesome brawl. And then Jannetty's about to hit Shawn Michaels in the head with the mirror. And Shawn Michaels, this dastardly bastard, pulls the woman in the way. And Sensational Sherry gets smashed by the mirror. That's yet another classic angle in this feud that people don't really talk about. So I just wanted to highlight that. Two five-star, five-out-of-five, all-time classic angles leading up to this wrestling match. Yep, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so this was actually Sherry's first time back on TV since the Mirror Incident in October of the previous year. Um, you know, and uh, so this led us straight into the match, which was, in fact, for the Intercontinental Championship, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty. Matt, what did you think of this match? So this is a this is one that if you watch it now in today's eyes you might not really get the excitement you might not really get the joy and I do think Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty have had 
maybe multiple better matches than this one. This isn't their best match. This is a classic. This is a very, very good match. It's a great wrestling match. Maybe you can stop short a classic, but this is this is great, uh, great, great shit, pal, right here. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Um, you know, it just goes to show you the the chemistry that these two not only had as a tag team, but also as opponents. Yeah, absolutely. Marty Janetti selling the hell out of his shoulder. Janetti, one of the most underrated professional wrestlers of all time because he was such a fuck up and he was the ultimate uh, second banana because Shawn Michaels was so talented and so, so great and went on to such great heights. But don't get it twisted. Marty Janetti is incredible in the ring. He's an all-time great in the wrestling ring. One of the most underrated wrestlers in ring ever, 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 ever. Yep. Uh, Sherry. Uh, so Janetti holds Michaels, calls for Sherry. Um, she takes off her shoe, but hits Marty Janetti instead of Shawn Michaels. Um, Michaels looks frustrated about it. Michaels turned around to Marty to tell him some instructions. Michaels picked up Janetti and hit him with a super kick. And this was one of the best sells of early Shawn Michaels super kicks. He did a full flip. Uh, to sell it, uh, the referee got up uh, and cover and counted to three. So your winner at 14 minutes and 20 seconds, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, awesome match. Definitely the best match of Shawn Michaels' career to that point in in singles. Definitely the best match of Marty Jannetty's career to that point in singles. They had better tag team matches together, but that was the best single match of either of their career up to January Fun 1993. Fact. Fun fact. This was the first time that Shawn Michaels used the super kick to end a match. Because before this, he used a a suplex-like maneuver. Yeah, the teardrop suplex, they called it. It was not nearly, it wasn't nearly as good as Sweet Chin Music would eventually become. But yeah, man, this is an A. This is a, this is a great, great wrestling match. Might be an acquired taste. Might not be as fast-paced and as exciting, but... You know what I mean? It's the storytelling here. It's Marty Jannetty being too fast, too aggressive, too hyped up, and Shawn Michaels capitalizing on his mistakes. Shawn Michaels being a badass. It made both guys look good. It, it managed to put Shawn Michaels over as like a tough, worthy champion without making Jannetty look like a shithead. Just a great match, man. Just classic stuff. Yep, so after the match, Sherry went running to the back with Michaels holding up his IC title as the champion. Gene Okerlund was trying to interview Sherry, so Sean went to the back, and so did Marty. Um, backstage, Sherry with me and Gene, who tried to calm her down for being hysterical. When Michaels went up to Sherry, he said she was in the gutter. She yelled, you said you, lo you loved me at Sean, and then Marty showed up to attack Sean. That was broken up by referees and officials in the backstage area. Yeah, Gene yelling at Sherry, calm down, woman, you're hysterical, was something out of a different era for sure. That was that was hysterical. But yeah, uh, incredible match, wild scene, great, great stuff. This is what pro wrestling was all about in the 90s, my friend. Yeah, unfortunately, this this uh, entire program kind of uh, sizzled after this um, they, because uh, M Marty Jannetty was briefly fired. Uh, they did have a match in May of 93 on Raw that the crowd was super into. But, yeah, yeah. you know, th this, this was basically the blow-off match. 
Yeah, they have an awesome match, May 93, like you said. It's the same Monday Night Raw where Razor Ramon loses to the 1-2-3 kids. Same episode, all-time classic episode of Raw. Michaels loses the title to Marty Jannetty in that match. Jannetty has a couple awesome matches as Intercontinental Champion. He holds it for a little longer than you think. He loses it to Shawn Michaels in another awesome match. And then they also have a cage match, which is pretty friggin' good as well. Yep. All right, the next match was Bam Bam Bigelow versus Big Boss Man. I completely forgot that this match was a thing. Yeah. Oh, before yeah, uh, before we go too further, I, I just want to say the the previous match, uh, four and a quarter eliminations out of five, eighty five percent elimination percentage. It's an A, best match on the show by a grand chasm, by a country mile. Yep. Um, so yeah, so the, so the next match was Big Man versus Big Man. Bam Bam Bigelow uh, recently came back to the WWF, um, and you know who better to get into a rivalry with than another big man like the Big Boss Man himself. Um, so and you know in terms of the story itself, um, you know they were both big dudes, and it was kind of like the battle of the big guys. So that was uh, yeah, just yeah. Just a big, slow, clubbering match. And you have to understand, Boris and I, both bigger gentlemen, both love the bigger wrestlers, both love both of these guys, and we both hated this match. Yep. So that tells you how bad this one. This was slow, boring, shitty, terrible, not not worth seeking out, unfortunately, yep. because both of these guys are great. Yep, so Bossman uh, with a running splash to the back of Bigelow, followed by a punch to the jaw. Bossman charged Bigelow with a boot to the face, followed by a running clothesline. Bigelow up top, and he hit a flying headbutt off the top for the pinfall at 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Unfortunately, um, you know, this is in an era where if you were to put a David and Goliath type of match, it always worked in wrestling. But I found that oftentimes you put goliath and goliath it just didn't work sometimes like you're right it, I, most i'm not saying it didn't every work. match yeah. i'm just saying yeah. the majority of times in this 100%. era of wwf i could think of like i could think of a couple examples but because the examples stand out so much right like warlord and the british bulldog was actually a good meat boy match you know what i mean but there are very few examples of meathead versus meathead or uh, big large versus big large actually making a great match. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, how many uh, eliminations would you give this match? We went one and a quarter eliminations for this one. It was a fail, but it had a little something to it. It wasn't an abomination, but it was a 25% sizable fail. Yep. Uh, and essentially this match was to build Bam Bam Bigelow up. Um, that that's essentially what it was. Like he, like I mentioned, he just recently got back to the WWF, so this was yep. kind of his reintroduction. I can't help but think if they would have had this match in any other company in any other time period on Earth, it would have been awesome. Like NWA in like the late '80s would have been awesome. Like New Japan even after this, like '94, '95 would have been awesome. I don't yep. know. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I, I, at this point, WWF just struggled with uh, booking two big guys in a match. Anyway, so after this, a clip was shown from two weeks earlier on WWF Mania when Razor Ramon attacked Owen Hart since he was Bret Hart's younger brother. Ramon hit him with a trash can. Do you have something to say? Yeah, this was a great angle. I really like this. Shades of Undertaker beating the shit out of David Flair at WWE wrestling training. Not yes. quite as good. But in the same neighborhood, and Boris, as a as a young Owen Hart boy, this must have hurt your heart. Oh, you have you have no idea. Um, no one, no, like 
I am the biggest Owen Hart mark. Like, just, just, just absolutely loved him. And I hated Razor Ramon because he dared touch Owen. Yeah, put his hands on the little brother. Razor Ramon cut an awesome promo on Bret Hart on Superstars a week or two before. Yep. So, uh, the the Royal Rumble 1993 pre-show is out there on the internet, so you can find it somewheres. And uh, yeah, I watched that, and he cuts an amazing promo on Bret Hart from the video wall, from the from the old school Titantron, saying like he was glad that he knocked out Owen, he would do it again, and if he saw Stu walking down the street, he'd slap his ugly face. Just incredible stuff from Razor. Yep, they showed a promo from one night earlier during a Sacramento Kings game, believe it or not, saying that mm. he was going to have gold around his waist, just like the gold he had around his neck and his fingers. Can't stress this enough. The first, like, six to eight months of Razor Ramon's character were great. He like, was really, really underrated, awesome stuff. Yep, yep. He was so good. He was so... He was... You know what, what, what were, in my opinion, I don't want to say they ruined him, but his momentum really decreased when he became face. Yeah, I agree. And it was just like he, he they kind of put a ceiling on him because he was never going to at that time be above where Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart were, which just kind of just there was just too many people, not enough, not enough mouths, you know, too many mouths to feed rather. But uh, yeah, not enough room for this guy. But he uh, you play his career back again, man. Razor Ramon is like a six or seven time WWE champion. Yep. Uh, and, and Mr. Perfect eight. Ah, ah, don't get me started. All right, so um, another thing to note is that Razor Ramon debuted in WWF in mid-1992. So he was getting a title shot in this era of wrestling in under a year. We're talking like seven, eight months of him debuting. Yeah, which shows two things. One, they were definitely like thin on talent. And two, they were definitely interested in pushing new acts hard. Could yep. you imagine such a thing? A, a roster, a WWE roster that was thin on talent and not overbloated and actually desperate to push new people. Could you imagine? <laughs> the opposite of today. Oh, my God. Uh, so, Bret Hart was interviewed backstage by me and Gene. Bret said that this has become a personal thing and Razor is going to pay for everything. Bret said he was going to make his family proud. Um, so, yeah, dude, the pop that Bret Hart got. Was awesome. insane. Yeah, just great stuff. Bret Hart, the working man's champion, the fighting champion. He was a all-power to Vince McMahon. Great call. Vince still had his fastball at this point. He was the perfect man for this world title at this time, and he proved it every single night. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, so one thing to note is that Bret beat Flair in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan in October of 1992. So this was his like the, his first major title defense um, because I believe in Survivor Series, he was just in a team, right? No, or no actually. He faced Michaels. Yes. He faced yes. Michaels. Yeah, so this is his second uh, major title defense. But it is interesting because this is his first pay-per-view defense against like a bigger opponent because Shawn Michaels, he was kind of the bully in that match. He was kind of like, you know, so it would be interesting to see Bret Hart against more of a stereotypical WWF name, like the big bodybuilder-ish type. Razor Ramon, 6'8", jacked. He, you could definitely see like, oh, he's losing the title here to this new guy maybe. Yep. All right. This leads us into the WWF Championship match. Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon. Man, I loved this match. These two yeah. know how to work together. 
Absolutely. And these two know how to work. This was your old school wrestling match, but like, this is the kind of match that if you're training to be a wrestler, this is like, watch this match, the fundamentals on display, the crispness of the work, just like the psychology, quote unquote, just like everything making sense. Every, every piece of this being rewarding to watch and making sense further and further in the story. Like, yeah, man, it was just, just a classic old school wrestling match. Just like very, very good psychologically sound. This is like, what they used to do. Exactly. Like this is your tip. I'm not even your typical, but this is your quintessential wrestling match. Yeah. Good guy versus bad guy. Bad guy, much bigger than good guy. Bad guy dominating good guy. Good guy trying to find a way to beat the bad guy. And eventually he does. Absolutely, man. Yeah. It just chops the tree down bit by bit, inch by inch. Yep. Yeah. And Bret Hart, just a scientific marvel, man. And he was having all these good matches, different styles of matches against these different opponents. Just, yeah. Bret Hart's title run was great. Great, great stuff. It really was. Um, it, which, uh, yeah. WrestleMania 9. Um, so, yeah. So, Bret Hart wins uh, after he slapped on the sharpshooter. And again, the pop, you know. You know what I miss about wrestling, and even AEW doesn't do this. They do it more than WWF fans, but not like they used to back then. Popping for simple moves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just like, oh, like he got a backslide on him. Like, oh, he might win this match right now. And everyone stands up one, two, and then the kick out. I agree. And the part of that is just the insane finishers that get kicked out of right now. But we're sounding pretty old. Let's all let you know what I mean. Wrestling's at a great place. What's another thing I miss about (laughs) wrestling? And this match really proved it. And any time I watch, like even even Rock versus Hogan, um, you know, it's at – WrestleMania 20, the ending of that show, uh, the flashes on cameras. Oh, man, I miss that. Flash bulbs. Old sports, too, man. You go back and you watch, like, the 2001 World Series. Yes. It was, like, my all-time favorite flash bulb, like, moment. Like, that was, yeah, man, flash bulbs in sports. That's, I definitely miss that. Pour one out for the old-school cameras. Yep. So this match went 17 minutes, 52 seconds, and it was 17 minutes, 52 seconds of just pure, awesome wrestling. Yep. Just old school delight. I uh, I love the finish too. I think it was like a small package that uh, Brett got Razor in. Razor kicked out, but Brett like kept his legs on the ground. They got yep. into like a UFC, like a, a like a primitive UFC style, like twist up on the ground, and then Brett Hart managed to stand up in a sharpshooter, and Razor was fucked. One two three. Well, not one two three. Tap tap tap. I submit, and yeah, Brett Hart wins. Uh, we're gonna go three and a half eliminations on this one 70 percent. it's a b i wouldn't quite call it great match they had better matches but it was just like a just such a technical sound just like a marvel yeah um and yeah like unfortunately this was this match kind of ended there like this feud ended there like brett won this for his family and razor ramon went back to the mid card yeah he would beat bob backland at wrestlemania and he would be babyface pretty soon thereafter, I believe. Yep. yep. All right. Then it was time for the introduction of the narcissist. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> this was a lot. Yes. This was Bobby Heenan. Uh, I don't want to see. <laughs> this is Bobby Heenan, like, just, yeah, having a sexual experience over a man flexing 
for like 10 minutes on your television. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so as Matt alluded to, Bobby Heenan was used to introduce uh, the narcissist Lex Luger. It was very interesting that they were actually calling him the narcissist Lex Luger. They weren't hiding the fact that he was Lex Luger because, you know, in this yeah. time, you know, it was, it was one of those things. Because, again, on the pre-show and the whole time leading up to Royal Rumble 93, they hadn't named who it was. They had only called him Narcissus. Yes. Uh, so Luger flexed his muscles and posed in front of mirrors. Uh, this went on for way too long. It was a few minutes. Narcissus did a promo that bored everybody, including myself. He also trashed Mr. Perfect a bit to tease his first feud. Um, so yeah, remember, this, was like- this is January of 1993. By July of 1993, they quickly dropped this gimmick, and he went El Americana. Yeah, full baby face, Lex Express, driving the bus, kissing babies, signing tits. You know how it is, Boris. But uh, yeah, man. <laughs> but yeah, Lex Luger is. Uh, yeah, this this Bobby Heenan uh, introduction. It was it was a lot, buddy. It was a whole meal of food. Bobby Heenan went for it. Yep. Um, And then from this terrible in-ring thing to the next, we got an introduction for a man dressed as Julius Caesar and a woman dressed as Cleopatra because WrestleMania 9 was in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. The guy dressed up like Caesar read some words about how they were already to host WrestleMania 9. Caesar set up the Royal Rumble match by saying, let the games begin. That was that. Gorilla Monsoon went over the rules for the Royal Rumble match while Bobby Heenan celebrated the introduction of the Narcissist. Yeah, just continuing to just like, yeah, he's in the afterglow of that narcissist uh, introduction. So, yeah, this Royal Rumble match, among the worst of all time, still has some charm about it. It's not the single worst one, but it's probably in like the bottom five, I'd say. All right. So some key things to note here. Ric Flair came out as number one. Remember, he won the WWF title a year earlier from the number three spot, so he didn't theorize that he can do it all over again. Bob Backlund came out at number two. I actually did like that old guy versus old guy, two former world champions in one and two, and then Bob Backlund ends up breaking Ric Flair's record in this Royal Rumble. When you think about it, this is Ric Flair, you know, famed NWAer versus Bob Backlund, famous WWFer. In the ring at once. For old school fans, this must have been pretty exciting. I don't know how many times Ric Flair and Bob Backlund ever faced off, ever. Yep. All right. So, uh, number three was Papa Shango. Nice. Are we going to go through the whole Royal? We can do it. Let's go through all, just a laugh at these names. Papa Shango, hilarious voodoo man gimmick of the Godfather. He didn't last very long, both yep. in this match and in WWE. Number four, Ted DiBiase. Oh, poor Ted DiBiase. Still an NXT, an NXT notable. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, number five was Brian Nobbs of the Nasty Boys. Oh, what are your quick Nasty Boy thoughts? Do you hate them as much as I do? I don't I don't care for them. I don't like them. I have zero opinion yeah. on them. But this is when oh, they were fair. actually baby faces. Just remember that. Yeah, baby face nasty boys. That's a terrible act. But you know what? The nasty boys did have a couple awesome hardcore matches with Cactus Jack and WCW. So yep. at least there's that. Exactly. And also remember the nasty boys were feuding with Money Inc., which was uh IRS and Teddy Biasi. So this entrant uh number made sense. Number six, yep. none other than the man. The myth, the legend, the Virgil. 
wrestling superstar Virgil. That's my that's my. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, Jerry Lawler, Jerry the King yeah. Lawler. And you know what was awesome? Because if you go back and watch your old school Memphis tapes, everyone knows Jerry Lawler's an incredible heel. But here's the thing, Boris. Jerry Lawler's a fucking amazing babyface. Yes. He's a great babyface. Has awesome punches. And for the first 60 seconds of this match, Jerry Lawler worked babyface against Ric Flair. And it might be like going back and watching this Royal Rumble as an adult 30 years later, this might be my favorite uh, moment of this entire match is Jerry, the King Lawler's first 90 seconds when he comes in there and starts beating the shit out of Ric Flair as a, as a, as an old school Memphis baby face, Jerry Lawler. Yep. Uh, number eight was Max moon. Conan in a ridiculous costume by God. Yep. Uh, number nine was Genchiro Tenryu. Can you imagine IWGP champion, triple crown champion? Did he win both? I'm pretty sure he did. Pretty sure. Yep. Yeah, baby. Yep. And he lasted 13 minutes. Not bad. Nice. Yeah, um, it was it was awesome. Awesome to watch him chop the shit out of Ric Flair. Yeah. Number 10 was Mr. Perfect. Yeah, this was great. Perfect and uh, Perfect and Flair setting up their loser leaves town match, which, of course, Flair lost, thus leaving town for eight years yep. but uh yeah mr perfect uh goes in eliminates rick flair good stuff yep uh number 11 skinner skinner <laughs> love it uh-huh. uh 12 boy. 12 was coco beware oh man wearing pants that went up to his neck yep. he was actually like he could have he could have like pulled them over his head yep number <laughs> 13 was samu Samu the head shrinker. Yeah, Samu getting dragged out by his hair and uh, getting slapped the shit out of by Alpha. Uh, yeah. Classic violent manager gimmick. Yep, 14, the Berserker. Oh, man, I love the Berserker. He didn't get his due. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, 15, the Undertaker. Wow, early for the Undertaker. And this is when I figured as a young boy, I remember thinking, oh, the Undertaker's going to win the Royal Rumble. Just, yep. just chalk it up, write it down. 16, Terry Taylor. Yeah, non-rooster version. Terrific, yep. Terry yep. Taylor. Boy, dude, 10 bucks if you remembered anything from that Terry Taylor run. Nope. Uh, what, number 18, or uh, no, 17, Damien Demento. Yeah, so Damien Demento, who slinks to the ring because in between Terry Taylor and Damien Demento, Boris, do you know what happens? No. The fucking giant Gonzalez happens. <laughs> this crazy eight-foot man, formerly known as El Gigante in NWA WCW, but completely foreign to my six-year-old eyes, he comes out, they shoot him from, like, the ground up, he honestly looks like King Kong, and he beats the crap out of The Undertaker in a way that really nobody has ever beaten up The Undertaker before. And boy, this scared me. And a key to this, Boris, was that the announcers didn't say, who is that? They didn't say, who is this man coming down the ring? They said, what is that? What is that animal? What is that thing? And I, again, as a young kid watching this, I remember just being terrified. I cried my eyes out when Giant Gonzalez beat the shit out of The Undertaker. Yep, yep. This is insane. Uh, number 18, Classic. Erwin R. Scheister. 
Yeah. Yeah, so Erwin Arshyster, Damian Demento. Again, this is this is all kind of happening while Giant Gonzalez is beating the shit out of the Undertaker. Uh, Paul Paul Bear comes out with his urn to try to like revive him, but it doesn't quite work. Yep. Uh, Nineteen Tatanka. Yeah. Oh, I liked me some Tatanka too. Remember when like Tatanka uh, made his uh, his 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 somehow resurgence in like early two thousands, and he was like super over. Yeah, and he was like pretty, like thick, like jacked, kind yeah. of like big, big, like dude. Yeah, like it was. He went it from was little hilarious. feather like 2000... to huge feather. <laughs> Two thousand six Tatanka. Wow, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, I love me some Tatanka. Uh, you could not do that character today. No, number twenty, Jerry Sags. We have already covered the nasty boys. Twenty one, Typhoon. Typhoon. Oh, the, the tugboat. Yep. Uh, 22, Fatu. Yeah, future Rikishi, future make a difference, Fatu. Again, getting the shit slapped out of him by his own manager. Make a difference. I forgot about that gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a classic. That's a 20, great one. Buddy. 23, Earthquake. I I really liked Earthquake. BC, boy, he was an underrated big fatty. He was one of, one of the big larges that was actually a great wrestler. Yep. Uh, former sumo wrestler too. Uh, yeah. twenty-four, Carlos Colon. The all-time classic Gorilla Monsoon moment, calling forty-some-year-old Carlos Colon this newcomer. Yeah, this young kid, Carlos Colon. I love that. Uh, twenty-five, Tito Santana, or as or as uh, Buddy would say, Chico Santana. <laughs> yes, Jesse the Body. Yeah, can we? I just want to go back to this Carlos Colon thing. It had already looked like his forehead had been through a cheese grater. Yes, like it was already a disaster. Yeah, his forehead looked like a wrinkled shirt. Like what? There's <laughs> no way that you could think this guy is any younger than forty anyway, or any older than forty. Yep. So twenty-five, Chico Santana. Twenty-six, Rick Martel. Tough beat for Rick Martel because he's like an always a good bet to get. The Iron Man position. He's yep. got a great gas tank, was a great athlete. I like to see him early in Royal Rumble stick around, not come in and get tossed immediately. Yep. Um, number 27 was Yokozuna, your eventual winner. Yeah, boy. And this one scared me as a lad. I was like, oh, no, I forgot about him. He was so new. I remember seeing him basically crush Virgil's ribs at the Survivor Series 1992. And I definitely remember seeing him squash jobbers on superstars. Yokozuna versus jobbers on superstars. Man, that's all time shit. Yep. That's some of the best squash ma- squash matches. Literally squash matches of all time. Yep. You know, okay, before we move on, I want to bring something up that my brother brought up yesterday. It's such an interesting point. We were younger when we watched like this era of wrestling and you know we were exposed here in canada we were exposed to superstars more often than not they didn't really air um you know the other shows that would air in the u.s so our exposure to wwf was typically pay-per-views and superstars you would get the occasional maple leaf wrestling where you would get the occasional stuff that happened in wwf but superstars was really what we watched and something that i've realized about people our age Look at who our favorite wrestlers are all through and through mid-carters. Why? Because we watch them mid, uh, week in and week out on Superstars. It's a really good point, man. That's a great call. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's really, really true. 
Yeah. Uh, we also we would get like the weird like shows that would stick around for like little bits of syndication and then frig off like uh, wrestling cavalcade. I remember was one that came yeah. on a couple times in my area, but then I could never find it consistently. Yeah, exactly. It's just so hard to watch wrestling. The only consistent wrestling show for me was always Superstars. Yeah, um, Superstars. And, and, and yeah. WCW where, Saturday where was, Night, which was funny. Yeah, exactly. Where I was, it was WCW and Superstars every Saturday morning. I would watch both. I would play with my action figures. I would be so full of energy that my parents would have to send me outside for six hours. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> number 28, my boy, Owen Hart. Yes, the Rocket wearing the same pants as Coco Beware. They were a tag team, you yep. see. High energy. <laughs> high high wasted energy. <laughs> uh number twenty nine, <laughs> the repo man. This is the worst joke of my entire career. I love the repo man, Demolition Smash. He was a, the, one of the best cheesy nineties characters. I still love his catchphrase. Was what's mine or what's yours is mine, or what's mine is still mine. Yeah, you fucked that up. Yeah, what's yeah, mine is up. mine, and what's yours yeah, it's still is mine. mine too. Yeah, <laughs> and then His he laugh. do the repo. His laugh. Fucking laugh. All right, and <laughs> number thirty with the world's greatest elimination, Randy Savage. So yeah, the second time that I cried my eyes out in this match was when my all-time favorite uh, Macho Man Randy Savage had Yokozuna down, and he went for a pin in the Royal Rumble. Macho Man, you fucking idiot. You're better than that. Don't do that. <laughs> it was very confusing to my to my young childhood mind. I didn't like it at all. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, Yoko presses Savages over the top to the floor. And that's how Yokozuna won. So, I will say. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I will say, like, as dumb as that spot is, it is a very memorable end to a Royal Rumble. Macho Man goes for a pin. And he gets kicked out with such force that he flies out of the ring and Yokozuna wins. Yep. Um, you know who the Iron Man match, or sorry, the Iron Man in this Royal Rumble was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he touched on it before. Bob Backlund. One hour and one minute, ten seconds. Yeah, he broke Ric Flair's record, which yep. he established the year before. Um, Ted DiBiase, 24 minutes, 55 seconds. And the only reason I'm going through this list is because number three will shock you. Hmm. Number three, I'm going to guess. If you guess. I just one, watched just... it. IRS. No. Uh, hold on. Let me see. Erin R. Scheister. Nope. Who is it? Jerry Sags at 21 minutes, 50 seconds. Wow! Talk about blending in and falling between the cracks. I I could have guessed you would you could have given me twenty nine guesses. I might have guessed Giant Gonzalez first. <laughs> he wasn't even in the match. I love that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. No. I'm a. No. 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 We're good. We're good. We're good. Virgil lasted seventeen minutes. You know what was a what was a terrible booking choice was. Mr. Perfect not lasting the most. Mr. Perfect should have at least like hung in there till the end, let alone like been the Iron Man in this one. Uh, I don't understand why Vince McMahon never appreciated the works of Kurt Henning. I don't get it at all. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what that guy what was he had a main against. event talent? Man. Who knows what he had against the AWA guys? Like this, it just you know. It's a great point. Um. So yeah, that's that. So that's anything else you want to touch on on this Royal Rumble? 
Uh, on this Royal Rumble, no, I don't think so. This is this is a show that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, thank you, uh, Nick, for uh, requesting it. I, I love watching it back. Like I said, I, I this was like the first one that I really remember being super excited for and watching it and crying twice and being so heartbroken, but then like still like kind of through my love for wrestling, uh, you know, into overdrive, Boris. Yep, exactly. So that is the show. That is BAM Sports and Entertainment for this week. Um, Next week, we are back with NXT Talk on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. And then you're going to get another episode of BAM on Thursday morning. Uh, Like I said, we're going to probably touch on ROH, some NWA. And we're going to get back to our pick contest because we're going to be picking maybe some AEW Rampage if there are matches announced. But for sure, AAA, Triple Mania. Yeah, million percent. We'll pick one or two Rampage matches. We have the Britt Baker versus Red Velvet match at least. But yeah, we'll see what we got in the world of wrestling. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Oh, Boris, quickly, 10 words or less. Cody Rhodes, what are your thoughts? Oh, uh, no, no, not touching that one. (laughs) Pass. Boris's thoughts are pass. Not touching that right now. <laughs> All right, we'll do a full 90 minutes on Cody Rhodes next week. No, I'm just kidding. We probably won't do that. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, Malachi Black, you done killed him. You're doing the legacy of Brody Lee well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>